This episode is brought to you by Gamefly.com. Sign up for a free 30-day trial at the URL GameflyOffer.com slash RPGamer to try out streaming rentals of a whole huge library of video games. Welcome to the Active Topical Banter Show RP Gamers Editorial Roundtable Podcast. My name is Scott Walker, and joining me for this recording are my co-hosts. I'm Sam Walker, and I'm Best Girl. I'm Trent Seeley, and uh, I want to say that I am a Jughead, but really I'm a Dylan. <laughs> no, uh, it's Dilton, right? Yeah, it's Dilton. Yeah, I'm a Dilton. Well, I am Michael Cunningham, and I am neither best girl or Dilton, because I have no clue what Dilton is, but I do, know, I do know what best girl is, but I don't think I qualify. For that answer, he's he's Mr. Weatherby. <laughs> wah, wah. And also, uh, Trent, you're not Dilton. Uh, you're Kevin. You showed up way later, but everyone likes you for no discernible reason. Is, isn't Kevin gay? Yeah, that that's hardly relevant. Why would you make it about him being gay, Trent? <laughs> you walked right into that. I'm sorry. I, I realize that Kevin is the gay Archie guy. There, but... you, there you go, Mac. It's all about Archie that's, right now. That's kind of his trope, yeah. It's way better than uh, Chuck, the black one. Oh, but isn't he also smart? <laughs> no, he's, 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 that, he is bland aside from being the black one. Yeah. What are we talking about tonight? So on this, the occasion of episode Orange or Orange Square, we are talking about our year-end Q&A episode. We're finally getting to all your cues. We're going to A them. We're going to We've got a bunch, so we'll we'll see how long this takes. And then uh, and then we will forge boldly into 2018 and uh, not die. Not die. No dying. You heard it from here. That favorite episode every year that we get to do one of these Q&A episodes I love it. it there's something about answering the the questions that we get submitted that just gets me hot yes yes, <laughs> yes it does me too y- you answering the questions that is that gets me going. <laughs> <laughs> all right speaking of getting going with Mac uh, he has the first one of the night because we're just doing this in the backwards order from which we received them. Uh, Sweet. Mac would like to know, um, what approach do you typically take in RPG combat? Heavy melee? Strong defense? Stealth? Magic? A mix? My approach is my heart's content, as in, if I feel like gushing bitches, I gush bitches. If I feel like being stealthy, I will pretend to be stealthy, because... I can't stealth in a game, no matter how hard I try. Like, I want to be able to do it. I just can't. So usually I I play the barbarian characters and things. I'm very big about 
run and gun and gush them with a giant mallet. Uh, or, as is the case with uh, oh, Deus Ex, yeah. submachine gun, full clip to the kneecaps, moving <laughs> Deus on. Deus Ex? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what? Three and four. This is how she you played don't do three. That, Deus Ex. This is how she played through three and four. was just <laughs> submachine gun, whole mag into the kneecaps, moved along. I think a total of five people saw me in my entire playthrough of uh, uh, Mankind Divided, and you just decided to full-on brute every look, single one of them. Look, you know what? You've now learned the dirty secret of my marriage, okay? Okay? That you don't know how to play Deus Ex. That's right! I, I should also say that on occasion, she will uh, use a shotgun on people's crotches. Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, What's wrong with that? <laughs> it seems rather effective, if you ask me. I know, right? <laughs> Max got my back. So there. So that's how I play video games. It's called, I just play them. There's no preferred approach. See, I was curious about this, and this, this was my own question, because I wanted to see what you all say. Anytime I'm given the choice, whether it's solo or a party, go like a heavy melee party unless there's a good way of regenerating magic i hate being like a resource person where i have to manage how many mp how much mp i have like in games that give me a party that have mages i almost always have them do like weak physical damage just because i'm afraid that i may need that magic later so I'd rather go with like some heavy defense characters and stuff than to have to worry about a full-on glass cannon group or anything like that. So I was curious if anybody else similar, you know, even in party-type games. So uh, in a party game, I will try to go for a good balance across the whole party. Um, so, you know, just, just one of each. Um, and then if if it's single-player action-y, I will do a light melee. I like to dodge... I, I come from the Piccolo school. Uh, uh, otherwise, if it's if it's a shooter, I like to sneak. I like to sneak in my shooter. Yeah, he goes around saying sneaky, 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 <laughs> and then I go, "I hope you die," and he usually does. Well, the answer is nice. the answer is this is Far Cry, so I've just somehow used a uh, silenced submachine gun to open a tiger cage, and now everyone's being eaten by a tiger, including you. No, the the tiger waters off. Including Maybe I Scott. I to you about uh, buying these Ubisoft open world games. <laughs> <laughs> we need to have a serious conversation about this. I feel like Scott needs an intervention because he always buys these games and I, then he always gets frustrated with how unsatisfied he is. Look, I, I haven't bought, I have not purchased a Ubisoft open world game for myself in three years. And who's been buying them for you, Scott? I have not played one in two. I, I don't believe you. Yeah. Actually, I'm, I'm going to have to vouch for him on this one, because most of the time, Mac just gives him a review code well, if I he have, does. I have touched no Assassin's Creed since Parkour Pirate Adventures, <laughs> and I have not touched a Far Cry since, uh, since I stabbed four. Troy Baker. So, there we go. I thought you said you'd played some of Assassin's Creed or Origins. I yeah, did. I, I, played the, I played the one hour demo at the con. <laughs> okay. I feel like that should still count. That does. Yes! Yeah, I, I wrote heard, about I it. I just heard didn't touch, so... Which is a lie. That was, that was for work. You you made me do that. <laughs> <laughs> made me do that. 
Yeah, a, a twist arm. In, in the same way that Mac makes Sam play Atelier games, right? All right, so Trent, what you got? Um, I have a bad habit of uh, playing JRPGs in particular in a way that either breaks them or makes my time investment look really stupid. Um, so an example of this is when I played Final Fantasy VIII last... I think I had like a hundred of every single magic type by like the 15 hour mark of the game. So I just spent the entire game physically attacking everyone with a pimped out weapon because I didn't want to use any magic. Um, And because I got so far so early in the game, the game's difficulty didn't scale with me. So it it just kind of broke the game in half. Uh, and the last time I played Final Fantasy V, which is not one of the games in the series that I really dig, I had mastered every single one of the classes on the GBA version, uh, which also kind of... I, I, the idea was that I was fully immersing myself in these games, but as a result, <laughs> I, I, at least that's how I was justifying this to me. Like I wanted to see everything there was to see in the game, and in doing so, kind of destroyed the difficulty curve of it. Um, What's wrong with that? I'm That's really the only not, way to play the Final Fantasy VIII, by the way. <laughs> I, I'm really not the, the person to ask about Well, I think, this. yeah, Final <laughs> Fantasy VIII is the game you play by cheesing it. I think I think that's like a, that, that's a rule. That's a legit rule. You have to cheese it. It's better that way to me. I mean, that that's how it feels designed. Don't level up. Junction everything. Destroy the world. There and you I go. did. I, I destroyed everything that I met, basically. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, like I didn't, I didn't not enjoy that time with those games. You know, it was still a fun time for me bending the game over backwards. And uh, yeah, I I can't say that I do that with every single JRPG I play. Usually, I just try to get a feel for the mechanics and you know try try to hammer through with the best strategy possible. Like you can't you can't brute your way through. Persona 5, for instance, like you need to understand enemy types and have the right kind of setup, or battles are going to be kind of a slog. So, I don't know. So, the real answer is depends on the game. Yep. It, yeah, that's the worst answer possible. I'm so sorry, guys. Hey, we elaborated on our it depends. That's it, true. We, we did. We were real. Um, no, one, no one wants an it, it, it depends as, as the response to a question, though. Because well, it's the worst response. <laughs> so speaking of things I will answer with the phrase, it's depend- it depends, Josh would like to know, how do you name characters in RPGs? Do you do something silly, names of people you know, or do you just go with defaults? Um, if it is a all-text game, I will do something silly, especially if I know that uh, characters will refer to that person by name. So, like, you know, you, you name, you know, you, you name Cloud Dildo Face. <laughs> Dildo face question mark. I'm sorry. When we when I played Sweet Code in four, it was douchebag question mark because the hero in Sweet Code in four are just I hate that haircut. It looked pretty bad. In in XCOM, of course, I name it over after uh, my coworkers from RP Gamer. Rest in peace, Trent. You didn't make it. No, a lot of us didn't make it. Well, like who, who was left at the did. end? Well, okay, XCOM 2 is, like, patently unfair, and all the enemy attacks are super hosey. But maybe I, I should really, not... Scott, maybe was, I, it, was the game unfair, Scott, or were you not good enough to save my life? 
Uh, <laughs> maybe I was playing on too difficult for the first time around. Maybe, maybe the snake people are really goddamn hosey for the second encounter. Maybe uh-huh. they are. Uh-huh. I died pretty horribly, Trent. It's not just you. He wouldn't make a second version of me either. That's not how you do XCOM. <laughs> it's true. No, I think the only person that survived was, was it Corporal Becky? No, Colonel, Colonel Becky, Becky. Colonel Becky died in the last <laughs> mission of XCOM 1. She she was the ultimate survivor. No, except she didn't survive. She totally died. No, like, that's what I mean. Like, she was the, the closest. Room. She was the closest. So there you have it. Scott names pe- names things after real people so he can watch them die. <laughs> Now, in my case, um, the names of my characters are always silly. Um, oh, I should also mention that I let autocorrect name my Pokemon. That's true, he did. I usually name, like, with Pokemon, for example, when they had the Tepig come out, uh, I referred to him as Baconator. So, uh, subsequently, anytime I got fire Pokemon that were certain kinds of meat, I would name them after meat. So, like, chicken, chicken tenders... Torchic was what? Finger? Tor- Tor- I think Torchic was Tucky Fred. It was Tucky Fred. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's how you get Kentucky Fried down to a real name. In Harvest Moon, that's how I named all my animals. Because I would have like chicken tenders, chicken fingers, chicken fries, chicken wing. So all my chickens would be named that. Usually my cows were always named Moo Moo. <laughs> <laughs> Um, my catchphrase in any game is boogers. This episode's making me angry until the boogers comment. <laughs> uh, that's just extra protein, Mac. You need that. Uh, so okay, a enough. lot of the time, yeah, that's usually the kinds of names people get. They don't really get nice names. I think the only games where I gave people like kind of nice names was like the Bioware games where it'd be like, this one's Belladonna because she's a hottie. <laughs> this one is Brutus because he's a dog. I got priorities. <laughs> oh, I am super boring when it comes to this because I much prefer default names. I actually yes. hate it. I yes, hate it. Mac, yes. I hate when I have to name a character, especially the main character, and they don't give you any default options. Everybody else, heaven forbid, they make you name every character because that just—I feel like I'm just—that's cruelty. Bored out of my mind. I can't stand that. You know what, Mac? You would love Metopia then, because in Metopia, you just pick random mees from the Mii Central, and they just get inserted to your game. So, like, my evil lord right now is Taylor Swift. <laughs> That's rather fitting. Um, the only problem is I'd have to deal with mees. So no, I know. Suck even more. <laughs> but I, I do have a set, like set collection of names I use for characters. Like when you're using MMOs, or if you do have to have a one name character, I do have like a set that I go through. So um, used to I just name like if it was a male character because that used to be the only option you'd have in a lot of RPGs. I'd just always name a Mac because it was lame and I knew who they were talking about at least. <laughs> But never go for joke names. Uh, that just annoys the fire out of me, so I don't. So what about your lady characters then, Mac? Like, I'm guessing with Shepard, you just went with whatever generated name they could give you? Oh, no. I, I, like I said, I have a set uh, collection of names that I use. And I've been using them since like Final Fantasy XI first came out. Okay. Um, one of the characters' names I use is Arena. Oh, that's and the other, right. Yep. And the other is usually... Either that or Sierra. Those are two of the names that I use mostly, and if there's female characters. And for male characters, it was either Mac 
or if it's kind of a non-human-ish character, uh, Domi, D-O-M-I-E, which I stole from Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. Good job. Back. Do, you yes. realize, you, do you realize that there's like an alternate like parallel universe out there where you have a child and you named one of your kids one of those character names? Yes, there very much is. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I've gotten to the point where we, when we were talking about like having kids and stuff, we had a couple of names picked out, and both of which I could abbreviate to uh, video game character names without it directly being video game character names. So I was ready, was prepared. You're a champ. How about and Trent? I guess you are boring default person also. I am also boring detail person. Yes, um, I'm. I'm in the same place as Mac. But for me, it's like if I'm gonna take the time to sit down and play an 80-hour experience, I just want to experience the game as it was intended. You know, with with the character names and in in the instances where I'm playing like a Bioware game and I have a, a character that I personally create, I will make it look like me. But I won't give it my name because I think that's a little bit too on the nose. So I also have my own little stable of names that I like to refer back to. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. I never design characters to look like me, ever. Ever. Even if I have the choice of like only a male character cr- to create, uh, which means by default I almost always choose a female character. Um, but if I'm forced to use a male character, I never make them look like me, ever. I don't really? either, actually. Yeah, but I think I'm handsome, though. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's your answer. And yet not narcissistic enough to name it after yourself. <laughs> yeah, Trent. He's happy. All right. So Bill wants to know what we think of Streets of Rage. It's uh, which, which Streets of Rage, though? Like, the first one? Uh, Any says, of them. He says series. Streets of Rage is not an RPG, but that's okay, because Streets of Rage 2 is I'm the best Streets sure, of Rage. I'm pretty yes, sure every, quest, yes. every call for questions was uh, AMA, so, yeah, we're, so we're stuck with it. So um, Streets of Rage, yeah. universally, the 2 is the best one. Like I, I think there's merit to all three of them, and I, I'll be real with you. I got uh, a Genesis to play a bunch of different games. The game, and this was as an adult, and the game that I felt the most were the well actually the streets of rage trilogy uh and every now and then kelsey and i would play them together and there's there's something about the first one that's really charming but the second one is so good oh i replayed the second one once every couple years or so because it's just so much fun i do like three but i find three has a couple moments where like the difficulty gets a little little awful (laughs) to say the least uh, I don't play brawlers because the my only access to them was arcades, and I ain't made of money. I ain't made a quarter, son. You know he says this, but I force him to play them with me. So yeah, and I sit here and I count how many quarters it would have cost me to finish with her. So you know, many we, quarters. We are, I ain't made a quarter, son. We we actually have a barcade here where I live, yeah. which is when you combine an arcade and a bar. Yes. Oh, really? Very straightforward. They have a bunch of stand-up machines, and there there is one stand-up machine, and there's also up at the bar, there's a setup where you can play, like, a bunch of different classic uh, side-scrolling beat-em-ups, and the Streets of Rage games are on them, and all you have to do is have a beer in your hand, and it's unlimited plays, so... And those places are out there, Scott, so you I don't know. have to... 
I, I could go to Tilt. Uh, Tilt is the Toronto one. Yeah. It is behind the lab, which is behind the futures. Yes, dear. Uh, I'm I'm with Scott. I don't play brawlers very often, so I don't think if I've played Streets of Rage, I could tell you nothing about it because I probably played it back in the day and just don't even know. It, so it Streets of Rage in, too. It, it blurred in with you know the Ninja Turtles and the River Cities and the uh, the and now, the final fight. The final fight. That's now, that's the best. I one. enjoyed I enjoyed playing the Simpsons, the Ninja Turtles, and the X Men arcade brawlers those were kind of fun but yeah they were coin drainers but they were fun whenever you'd go to somebody's birthday and they maybe had like unlimited play at the arcade which i got to do a couple times on some of those now that was fun nice but i have no streets of rage knowledge really whatsoever so i'm not even going to pretend streets of rage 2 okay uh so manny would like to know uh what gaming podcasts we listen to beyond uh when we're not making them uh sam I only listen to one, which is the So Video Games podcast run by Brad Galloway and Corey Motley, just because I like their cynicism. I'm trash <laughs> for it. I miss, I still miss the old Game Critics podcast, if only just because, you know, Mike Bracken's sadness just amuses me to no end. <laughs> I'm right there with you, Sam. I loved that they came back for their holiday episode just recently. Yep, so I just finished listening to it, and it made me so happy. end of the year one. And their awards are wonderful titles. I'm a big fan of the steaming pile. Uh, in terms of uh, video game podcasts, I I only have one that I'm still uh, attached to um, because all the other ones died. Uh, it is the Spodcast. Uh, it's a spinoff of the Spoiler Warning YouTube channel, um, which is sort of pivoted now that they don't have a Seamus Young anymore, but uh, I think the people they've added have been sort of bought a brighter, more energetic version of the show. And Trent? Uh, I just recently subscribed to Watch Out for Fireballs, and it's the only video game podcast that I'm really listening to right now. Yes. Yes, sir. <laughs> you approve, Mac? Oh yeah, that is the only other one that I've listened to right now. I listen to Watch Out for Fireballs. I used to listen to their other episode or their other podcast, Bonfire Side Chat, that was one of the Souls games, mm-hmm. and love both of those style of shows because I like topical podcasts. I hate podcasts that are about news and what you've been playing recently. I don't care about that. I'd rather listen to ones that are on topics. The only other episode, the only other podcast I listen to, and I don't want to interrupt Trent. If you've got others that you want to mention, or if you want to talk more about, watch out for fireballs. But no, um, <laughs> I enjoy the right stick. Uh, there's a couple of guys that do that one as well. Um, Doc Brown and Willie Beans do that, and it's in a similar style to what Watch Out for Fireballs is. It's topical each week. They or each every other week, they do a podcast where they just kind of get together and talk about a topic. And I just enjoy that style of podcast. It's an hour and a half or so of just discussion. And it's real focused. It's people that know each other real well. So, you know, similar to what we do here, but probably just a little more often than we do. And I guess they're, you know, I don't know. They're just more singular focused. Like, Watch Out for Fireballs is a Games Club podcast. 
where they pick a game and they go through that game completely. And I love that. I think that's great. Uh, I enjoy experiencing games or re-experiencing games through that. So those are the ones I listen to. Yeah, uh, I, I think that that's a great recommendation, Mac. Um, there, there's something about that format where it is the focus of, you know, 40 minutes to an hour to an hour and a half discussion on one subject and really tearing it apart and having it so that it can act as like a bridge to people who haven't experienced that game yet while still kind of breaking down what makes it great in a way that doesn't ruin the experience. Um, I I listen to a few podcasts that are more focused around comics that are similar to that. And uh, I think, I think that makes a really good podcast personally, just having, like you said, people who know each other and just want to really take the time to focus on understanding one thing each episode. I'm also just going to quickly pimp, um, the show that Scott and I do called I Thought They Smelled Bad on the Outside, which Scott has been running for a bajillion years, and it does talk about gaming ever seven, so often. Seven years. Seven. I put up ten fingers. Yeah. Um, but still, <laughs> every so often there's gaming episodes, there's movie episodes, and usually there's a lot of blues men yelling back and forth at each other. Yeah. So. Um, uh, yeah, and, and this, is, this is probably a good opportunity to also really highlight the fact that scott does all of the production for this podcast and how many episodes are we in now like we're 40 ish 41 41 yeah yeah so scott has done the the heavy lifting on every single one of these episodes he's the one who makes sure that the audio mixing sounds as great as it does he edits us to a point where we don't sound like gibbering idiots so i think a lot of kudos are indeserved for scott and I'm I'm still working on a new EQ profile for Mac. It it it's it, it it's rough to sort of make you sound a little more rounded given your state, but I'm I'm trying to just yes. pump pump up your bass a little, give 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 you some oomph. Much appreciated because my voice is no longer what it once was. Yeah, I mean I mean uh, I have honest- no projection. Honestly, there's this part of me that's like, if we really had the money, we'd get the guy who voiced Hank Hill to just redub you. Why? Why him? Because because Max sounds like Hank Hill. <laughs> he also does a very good impression of Hank Hill. Yeah, but I can't do it anymore. I know no I miss it. He, he he no longer doesn't look like a man who doesn't who knows what a JPEG is. <laughs> that, that, that's sadder. That, that's my go-to King of the Hill line for the month is, do I look like a man who knows what a JPEG is? <laughs> I missed that show. All right. Um, question from Donald. Was recording actually delayed so Mac could get away with recording sans pantalons? Uh, no, we would have done it. We will do recordings without pants anytime, anywhere. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, middle middle of a Walmart if I have to. <laughs> I just said that because that's one place it would be appropriate, probably to not wear pants. Nobody I mean, knows. I mean, we we would the, like just sitting in the middle of Walmart. I'm I'm imagining the frozen food aisle. Mike's out, no pants on. I don't think we'd even bat an eyebrow anymore. Nope. I'm pretty sure I would be overdressed at a Walmart with no pants on. So here we go. <laughs> so Scott, Adrian wants to know who is 2017's official best girl. Um, Aloy, Aloy. You could have said Sam, but you know, oh, I, I, I'm not going to couple snap. cast pander this shit. 
<laughs> I have daggers for eyes. Yeah, Ayla has a backpack full of arrows that shoot sound explosions and also has slayed like eight robo t-rexes so you're saying i can't slay robo t-rexes i'm saying it is highly unlikely that you would slay a robo tech t-rex for my love wow wow you think so little of me this marriage is over i'm done headphones off and thus ended the acting topical banter show okay to be fair aloy is a very good choice for best girl i think adrian's secretly hoping we'll all save futaba from persona 5 but i completely disagree with futaba because i think makoto's actually the best girl i know exactly who adrian would say because adrian is a hundred percent right best girl from 2017 is poppy from xenoblade 2 (laughs) (laughs) yes 100 percent the best poppy is awesome now tora on the other hand tora is like poppy's creepy creepy mentor but poppy is the best because of the way she puts him in his place and just genuinely becomes the best character in xenoblade 2 hands down fantastic and if you've not gotten far enough in there keep going because poppy is amazing We'll actually have to vote on this. All right, what trend, really, though. trend? Who's best girl? Um, I, I can't say that I think the best girl is Poppy. <laughs> but you're I also not, you're not far enough then. <laughs> yeah, I, to to his credit, I have not played a crazy amount of Xenoblade Two yet. I'm really slowly ingesting the experience. Um, I, I I'm gonna have to say Lady On. I, I that might be divisive because I see the value of Makoto as well. Um, I'm I'm not really into Futaba personally, but yeah, Lady On. That there's something about her that I just find really appealing. Okay, so the official winner, by the way, is actually Kelsey. You are all wrong. Yeah, hashtag Team Kelsey. Team Kelsey, <laughs> yes. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Especially because apparently I'm not allowed to win. Ergo, Team Kelsey. You can't Kelsey. yourself. I think it's illegal. <laughs> uh, all right. I feel like a bad husband now. <laughs> <laughs> you should, man. No, you just explained calmly to your wife that she won't kill robot dinosaurs for you, so there you go. No, I'm pretty sure he just picked Lady On over Kelsey, so... I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I'm this to RPG characters. Well... <laughs> That's what we wanted you to believe, and now we just trapped you, so very sorry about that. We caught you in a web of lies and deception, and you saw it coming. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) Never saw it coming, Joe. Josh would like to know, uh, is there a game series you want to share people's love for, but just can't get into? Oh my god, yes, I have an answer for this. The majority of Falcom games. Ooh, Falcom's a good choice. I struggle with no. I struggle with like the series that's one for me that I just cannot for the life of me get into, and I should love it given like the combat is fast, it's furious, it's like it's really fun. But I hate the rest of it. Which which Falcom series are you talking about? Ease. Ease is the one I have a hard time with. I'm not gonna say Trails. I have a hard time with. Like I liked 
I liked Trails in the Sky, the first one. I haven't played the second one yet. And I haven't played, I have not played Cold Steel. Oh, so I'm going to work on that. That's on my list this year. Listen, Sam, but it's, it's waiting for you. It's waiting for you because I was in the same boat. I wasn't really into Falcon games with the exception of Ease 7, which I still think is a fantastic game. Um, and then I played Trails of Cold Steel, like the first one. And it's like a modern Grandia, and I love that. It's the only thing that reminds me of Grandia anymore. <laughs> and the plot is so interesting, and the characters are so charming. You would love it. it, it it's like it's like Trails of the Sky, but with a decent budget. I'm curious which, which, and I just said that, so fans yeah. can suck it. Fair enough. Which ease games have you tried? Just out of curiosity. So the ones that I've played, I've played Oath and Velgana. I've played That's Seven. Okay. And I couldn't get into it. And I played the one that was on the Vita. Salsetta. Salsetta, and I couldn't yeah. get into that one either. Yeah, Seven and Salsetta are both pretty similar in style, and Felgana is probably its own. Which of those three did you like the best? Or could you see yourself maybe not hating as much? Um, The one I would go back to is Salsetta, just because... Okay. It's the one I actually made some decent progress in, and I've tried to play the first game and the second game uh, when it was on PSP, and I just, I struggled. Yeah, one and two are rough, and Oath and Felgana I can see not really wanting to go back to. Yeah. I like I to Ease Origin because it was like Oath and Felgana, except without the annoying platforming parts. I have and Origin, so I'll have to give it a try. It's smaller and bite-sized and doesn't take as long, so that's what I liked about it. Apparently, Nintendo told me my thoughts on Ease were that I was wrong because I was so convinced it was pronounced Wise, like Weiss. No, oh, that that came up during my interview for the site like six years ago. Yeah, because I asked it. <laughs> Which part? <laughs> Which question? How do you pronounce Ease? And I was convinced yeah, it was yeah. Weiss <laughs> because I, I, that's I like the German word. Because I thought that was what they were going for. But apparently, Ease is like Norwegian. Yeah, this this happened to me back in like 2011. I was in IRC with you guys and like 20 other people, and Wheels was like, "Only let him join if he knows how ease is pronounced. Is it why?" <laughs> he says, "Is it wise or is it like cheese?" And I was like, "It's like cheese." And he gave me the thumbs you up. Win. So. <laughs> yeah, you get thumbs up for that for sure. Um, but man, yeah, ease origin is definitely probably the best one to try bite size wise and yes i've played some of ease eight i'm waiting on the translation the patch. Patch. it should yes. be the 30th I, and, and i'm I, about I halfway heard... through and just paused it that's kind of tragic when you think about it to have such a poor translation that you not only have to write so much of the script and then also bring in the voice actors again for a new round of recording. I appreciate the fact that they're willing to go to that extent to make the game a better game, but the fact that it ever launched in the state that yeah. it was is just so tragic. Well, this is crazy, though, because having played half of it already, I have played games that are ten times worse that didn't get near butchered as badly as this one did in comments and stuff. But this is it's also I can a see Falcom that. game though, right? Like this is a game that lives and dies by the strength of its dialogue and I'm, character development. Yeah. I'm by no means gonna defend the current translation as being good. But at the same time I don't think it is nearly as bad as people were making it out to be. I think it it was mediocre at best 
and I don't think it was a crime against humanity, and the fact that they're touching it up is fantastic. But man, I think it got blown a little bit out of proportion on that end, but hey, if they're going to fix it, there is definitely things that need fixing about it. I just... I wasn't playing it ever for, you know, the fact that they call things ancient beasts or, you know, the big hole. <laughs> I just thought that was kind of stupid, but it never was anything that I was like, oh, God, I just can't play anymore and threw my Vita down in disgust because of. All right. So to answer the question, I, I want to say that I really want to get Monster Hunter, but I don't. Oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot. Sam's the only one that's answered this so far. We've just been yeah. talking about her answer. <laughs> see, that's what I was doing. That I was, I was, I was just doing that. I can see, I can see that Monster Hunters. People just seem to just click with it and love it, and I've never been able to either. But I've kind of given up caring on that one. What about you? Trey? Are you are you, are you going next, Mac? Or <laughs> I'm trying to decide between a couple of them. I'll go ahead and share. I've got two things that I can say. One is Yakuza. Um, I have tried playing. I tried playing the original on PS2 years ago, and just it didn't click with me. I tried again playing uh, Yakuza Zero earlier this year, and uh, while fun, I just it, it didn't click with me either. And I'm not sure why. I think the story and the characters were really cool, but I couldn't really get into playing it. I, I think so, well, Zero demands a lot of buy-in as a prequel in a weird way. Like it, it's it, yeah. it it's like asking you to care about what this what like it, it's asking you to look at six and be like oh man look at this grand ta- tapestry and all this stuff that's happened in this one neighborhood and maybe these five other neighborhoods but this one neighborhood and then jump back to when it was nothing like you you can and you're supposed to be like wow that vacant lot is where Millennium Tower is gonna be spoiler yeah yeah. <laughs> doesn't mean anything to me just you know starting with zero and yeah. kind of going up from there it just yeah has has nothing nothing for me i'm afraid that's all right i want to like it i want to try but maybe I mean, i'll give it another shot maybe 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 it's kiwami and it's majima all the time always feature that will will really help you <laughs> i'll have to try that one it's been going on sale a lot recently i've seen some deals but he hides in traffic cones <laughs> waiting for you Waiting for you, Kirio Chan. <laughs> What's your other I think one? That's Mac? Probably, I think that's probably the biggest one. The Atelier series is the another one that I'd like uh. to try. I don't think it's any, you know, you're you're not shocked that I haven't no, gotten I into any of them and it it's not that I've tried any and disliked any of them. It's more so that I just have yet to get over the mental block that is this game is about crafting and crafting is about this game and I hate crafting so I must hate this game yeah. analogy in my head that quality just always happens so I avoid it but I'm going to keep trying I'm not giving up yet I have like all of them that's the sad part is I have almost all the Atelier games and all the Yakuza games so I'm like well gotta get around to them eventually <laughs> I think uh, the series that I've always tried to really embrace that has never really gotten me was Fallout. Specifically, like, the new Bethesda Fallout games. Um, Everyone raved about 3, and then I tried playing it, and I beat it, and I, I felt like I was pushing myself to play it every time I sat down and picked it up. Um... 
New Vegas, everyone told me it had this amazing story and great characters, and I sat down to play it, and it was the same, you know, follow the compass kind of gameplay that I didn't really find that appealing. And then Fallout 4, everyone was excited about, because it was for the no. PS4. <laughs> and, uh, Until they played I, it. I, yeah. think, I think Fallout 4 had me for, like, a moment. Because I really pimped out a settlement, and I really enjoyed pimping out a settlement. And then um, it didn't matter? Well, it not only did it not matter, but I felt, because I I didn't buy any of the Season Pass content. I hear it's good. I'll say that much. But There is a good one. There is a good I, two. I, I, can, good two. I can say from my experience with the main game and pushing myself to like experience every faction there wasn't a single faction that had a good payoff that had nope. uh, an emotional nope. payoff anything that was really resonant in a way that was positive or validated your time with the game i just felt like i was in a sandbox that didn't look nearly as good as it rightfully should had with way more glitches and and things that i didn't feel like i should have had to deal with my game was crashing all the time, and I was playing on a PS4, uh, and I, I just felt like all the characters sucked, and it was a drab world where everything sucked. And they did, just, and it did. Yeah, like it just. And there was I, no Mister New Vegas. It's just it's frustrating because I keep going back to these games. I keep buying these games, and I keep investing. A ton of hours in these games. I think that needs to be said. I am purchasing these games and I am putting about a hundred hours into each of them, and I'm just not finding it rewarding or satisfying. And I get frustrated with how much praise they get because either I'm not understanding it, or I think people are maybe being a bit too generous with what they think is acceptable in the in the gaming experience. Uh, I think Bethesda builds this loop that. Uh- it, they, they build a loop into their games that's really rewarding, and then you see it, or it, it either doesn't click with you, or you see what they're doing, and you're like, ha, I know how Skyrim's manipulating me. I'm done. See, it, it took me, like, Fallout 3 was the first game I really got into in the series, and I didn't love everything about it. The story and the combat and stuff didn't really click with me, but I liked exploring the world. I found that to be interesting, and the way you came upon side quests, if you broke away from that follow-the-compass stuff. So it kind of clicked with me there, but again, Fallout New Vegas is the one that I fell in love with because the characters were good, but you had to get off of the, I'm going to do this path and this path and follow these quests and just kind of branch out and do your own thing without worrying about where it's telling you to go and just do what you want to do, and you'd find things. And that's what I enjoyed most about that one, is you could go out there and you could find things that were interesting and things that you wouldn't even expect to find normally. But then I got Fallout 4, and it was awful and didn't like it. And I think my generous 3 out of 5 was probably too generous at the time. And screw everybody on GameFAQs, that post-review thread that gave me crap about it, and then ended up hating it themselves. Yeah. You all suck. Well, also, just screw GameFAQs, right? Huh. All right. Fair uh, enough. So our next question is: With seventy six hundred games released in two thousand seventeen, RP Gamer covered one hundred and sixty. Uh, is there a limit to the number of releases the market can support, or will the extend the expansion be saved by millions of gamers in China? And the answer is: I think um, 
I think it's a question of shelf space. I think we've already seen uh, developers kind of backing away from Steam just because there is too much. They they have to compete for eyeballs in a way that uh, they didn't have to even two years ago. Um, so so I think we, we're we're going to have to see storefronts change and findability really get overhauled in a massive way because uh, we have Steam where everything goes up and you can't find anything. We have GOG, which is perhaps too choosy in what they will let in, because I know a bunch of guys have started to throw up their hands and say, hey, we seem to have ticked all your boxes for our game. Why didn't you give us store space? Uh, there's Itch.io, which I think lets anything on or near enough. And you, you just can't find stuff anymore unless it's got a huge marketing budget or a huge grass movement behind it. And uh, I don't think China's going to change either of those facts because China plays China games. I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to talk like they're, you know, aliens, right? But like that didn't come across very well, Scott. Yeah, like I don't want to talk to them like they're Kling- about them like they're Klingons or something. But the Chinese gamer is interested in drastically different things from the North American gamer. Like, and I mean. More so than even, say, Japanese gamers, where you see the overlap and then just things that don't mesh across the pond, and then it's just, no, China just plays its own thing. I think a more specific way to say what you're trying to say is that there are so many people in China, when you look at people that are, like, a massive group of non-traditional, like, hangout-on-forum gamers, they will be playing free-to-play stuff. They'll be playing... Pug, blah, 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 or whatever the crap that is, uh, Player Unknown Battlegrounds. They'll be playing stuff like that, not, you know, a variety of different things that you'll see on Steam. You know, you're not going to see a huge number of non forum going gamers going out and picking up Lost Sphere for the Switch. You know, it, that's just not what happens. So, does Trent have anything to add to this conversation? Because I actually have nothing on this one. I have, yeah, no. <laughs> All right, so uh, Jeff has a question, and he would like to know if we're going to get another dot .hack, or has that ship sailed? And I think the fact that stuck in an MMO has become a genre of fiction in Japan and the West at the same time means maybe, but also probably not, because there are so many other things competing with dot .hack's Mindspace that not even the Doc Hat guys want to jump in and try to be competing with your Grimgars and your... Uh, your Sword Arties. Your Sword Arties and your Last Goliath or whatever the new one this core is. Oh, yeah. The people who are into, like- sword, the people who are into sword art online, guys, you need to love yourself a little bit more. You need to take care of yourself. You need to feed your soul. You cannot continue to self-inflict like this. Yeah, I'm... I'm- Talk, talk to an actual woman for, like, a long time, honestly. I'll say this much. I remember Adrian finishing the latest Dot .hack uh, trilogy HD remake, uh, the GU remakes, and saying that there was a tease at the end that made him hopeful for another one, yet being hopeful and actually getting something are two different things, so... Well, for Best what it's worth, that. it would it would be nice. I'd say, rather have that than more sword art. But hey, well, for and again, for what it's worth, it's great that we did get the remaster for GU. Um, it makes you wonder if they're going to remaster the other four 
from the original series, but do they still have their source uh, code? That's the that's the best uh, question, right? <laughs> um, but they'd I mean, be better off not. I know. At the end Resources of the day, are better spent elsewhere. That makes me oh, wonder. I wish it would fix it. Like that's what I want. Like, how is it that we live in a world where there is a dot hack gu hd remaster but we still don't have a Geno saga saga i know it who 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 still has their source code at the that that what yeah i know some people want to throw it off and say well monolith soft's now pretty much a nintendo second well so what bandai namco published them they can make stuff happen if they wanted to. They're not solely owned by Nintendo yet, and they've done other things for Bandai, so it's still possible they could tag in and do that. It's not like they'd have to do a lot of design. They just need to find that source code and remaster it and give it to another company like Bluepoint or somebody that's going to do the port work, and there you go. <sighs> it is, okay. it, it's, it's a doable yeah. thing, but again. Uh, so I think, yeah, no, I have no hopes for .hack beyond... An even worse anime than Roots. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, are there any Kickstarter projects that you backed that are you that are you that you're still waiting on? Dan Dan asked this one. Um, yeah, Far West, Far West. <laughs> I'm not waiting on any actually. BattleTech comes out soon. Um, like they're, they're they're giving me notes. Yeah, I guess I'm not technically because I did get the backed version of. Uh, Cosmic Star Heroine so did I. that I had purchased, though I did specify that I wanted the Vita version, which should be soon, but I guess technically I have the game, but that's the only one I'm still waiting on is the Vita version, because that's the whole reason I backed it. And it should be coming, so hey. Well, that's good. I'm down with that. Like, the only thing I, I saw resurfacing of, at one point I had backed um, a game called Pixel Noir, which looked so cool, and it looks like it's resurfaced again as uh, a game they're still working on. So I do kind of hope that detective game comes out, because it looks so badass. Yeah. Did, did any of you guys uh, invest in that uh, Final Fantasy Tactics spiritual mm-hmm. successor? Oh, the nope. one that's gone through like six different dev houses now? And yeah. Th- yeah now, no. which one are you talking about? There's Project Phoenix and there's Unsung Story, both of which, you know, suckered people in with Final Fantasy type commentary and names. I think it's Unsung un- 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 no Sor- Story is the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. Isn't Project Phoenix the one that money was stolen to make a different game? Probably. That was oh, the thing I heard. Yeah, they just had that was a part of that one. Unsung I get those two mixed up because both of them just seemed like sheer and utter nostalgia bait. And I was like, nope. You mean like Lost Fear too? Yeah. Oh, Lost Fear, yeah. Uh, Or perhaps some sort of uh, mighty something. At least Lost Fear was a game that you can decide you want. Like, as it comes out, you're not being asked to put money in front for it. Yeah, that's true five years in advance that's never going to happen yeah you can decide you don't want it now no i can decide i can just i could have decided i decide every day i don't want more shenmue i decide every day that i do not want any more of that it doesn't matter if they're looking for money it doesn't matter if they're looking to port it it doesn't matter if it's just oh floating around in the ether i can say no no you suzuki no more 
and then I'm then I win. I like yep. to point out I have this conversation with him like once a week. No, that is not true. Usually is if the word Sega comes up it's in any conversation. No, sometimes it's, it's me deciding like I don't. Week. Sometimes it. Sometimes if Sega comes up, I just say, "Hey, I appreciate they published some things," and then also saying, "I don't need more Sonic games." <laughs> So twice a week, not once. Yeah. Who else has not uh, answered this yet? Trent! Yeah, um, for me it would be Bloodstained, Ritual of the Night. Uh, are you getting, oh, like, yeah. good communications on that, or is it just like, hey, we're working, don't talk to us for six months in a row? I mean, my understanding is that um, it's coming out in March, but... It's not like I'm flooding with updates or anything like that. I haven't really seen a ton of news about the status of the game. You'd think, you know, leading up to its release, we would have a bit more detail, maybe some maybe more gameplay. A, maybe so, let's impress, do a demo like you did two years ago? Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. Okay. It's been a while. Yeah. Um, and it's it's frustrating because, you know, I love, I love Symphony of the Night. I love the Igarashi Metroidvania kind of games, and I was really excited for this. I was one of those people who defiantly said I won't be suckered into a Kickstarter, and then there I was dealing out my credit card information to support a <laughs> spiritual successor to a classic game. Um, yep. like, yeah, like, like they pushed Kickstarter. all the warning buttons, like Kickstarter, spiritual successor to nostalgia property. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but you know why? And I know they I'll promised be... a Vita version. <laughs> oh yeah, that that's a big that's a big no no on the bingo card these days. <laughs> I um, well, it's not as bad as promising a Wii U version, but Ooh, um, low blow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I bought Ukulele when it came out for Switch, and I bought it at full retail. Um, Ooh, harsh I had, ke- I, I had kept an eye on it throughout its Kickstarter, and then I had seen its launch, and I had seen the internet's reaction to its launch, and then I saw all the work they put into the patch, and the game that I have in front of me today I feel like is worth $50. Maybe I'm in the minority, but I really enjoy it, and it scratches that itch. I can only hope that if and when Bloodstain does come out, it's gonna satisfy the itch that needs to be scratched. All right, uh, Bloodstained is one that I I didn't back it, but I would definitely think it has more. I think this one has more hope than like Shinmu Three or you know Mighty Number no. Nine ever did, or even Ukulele. So, and I mean Battletech so, is coming out soon, and I will play the fudge out of that. I'll tell you one thing, if the Vita version of Bloodstained happens, I will eat a shoe. So. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> All right. Uh, yep. Of course, our uh, the first person to comment gets to choose which condiment is on that shoe. Uh, if it's no, Sam... No, I actually get to choose the kind of shoe. <laughs> oh, no, no, you can choose whatever shoe you want, but our first commenter can decide whether you have it with mustard or mayo or, like, gravy. It's all down to them. Ugh. I hate all of those things, so no. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shoe. I don't think it's getting better no matter what you do. I would choose apple no, it, cider vinegar. It would, get worse. it would get worse if you made me eat it with mayo. I would literally <laughs> die. Any condiment you can think of. Um, candy. Russian dressing. Okay. I don't know. Candy. Uh, candy's not a condiment. <laughs> yes, it is. 
All right. So Nick would like to know which RPG character would be your best friend. Uh, I think it's Jensen from uh, Lost Odyssey. Jensen. Okay. Jensen. Uh, I choose uh, Liam from Mass Effect Andromeda. Really? Look. Why? Man, because the man went to the man has traveled a million light years. His first concern is uh, that he he needs a beer. And his second con- uh, concern is that he needs a couch to drink his beer on. And his third concern is to track the old-ass shuttle he launched at below relativistic speeds at his lo- current location so that uh, he could maybe get his car a million years from now. That's a, that's a plot point, that his family put together a car for him and launched it on a shuttle in the same course at just just, you know... Top speed a shuttle can go without doing warp drive shit. It's coming for him. It'll catch up. <laughs> and any anyone who has those concerns about going to an entirely new galaxy, meeting strange new creatures, and his first concerns are couches, beer, and cars, I can dig. Yeah, it sounds like Scott. How about you, Trent? Oh, movie night. He also plans movie night. Like, that's, that's thing number four. Can you come back to me? Okay, because mine is very simple. Mine would be Koromaru from Persona 3. Because he is a puppo. And I love him. And I used him for the whole game. And he helps you get the ladies. And he, exactly, he helps you get all the ladies. Just like my boy dog. You ever need a wingman, you ask for a cute doggy. Be good at it. Okay, I think I know. Um, this is going to sound like a really weird reference, but uh, Levitz from Legend of Dragoon. Why? Really? That is that, that's interesting. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I it's just I okay. There's something about that game just in general that I just find really charming. But um, I every time I play it, I'm always hung up on how genuinely honorable and thoughtful and good of a friend Levitz is throughout that first disc. Uh, and when. And he's one of those characters that you know he's going to die, and that's going to be this big thing. Uh, and he absolutely does eat it. Uh, and for some reason, every time it happens, I'm just like, oh, but I liked Levitz. <laughs> like, so, yeah, he's gonna, the one I liked. Say, yeah, he was the one I liked, and then he died. It usually happens a lot. In most cases, you play an RPG, you're like, man, I really like this character. And then they're like, haha, marked for death. And then you cry a little bit. Uh, so this is a weird thing where it's asking two different questions based on the phrasing, I think. But uh, Kim would like to know about an RPG you missed out on and wished play you played sooner, which means you didn't miss out on it. So I think she means like uh, you missed out when it came out. That or, I think is the context she's got. You've missed out on it completely and wish you could play it now. Yeah, but that's why I think it's two questions. Let's let's answer whatever we want on this. All right. So I am upset it took me like the four months after Near came out, Near Auto Tomatoes to come out for me to get around to playing Near Auto Tomatoes. Those are four months I could have played been playing more Near Auto Tomatoes. He really liked Near Auto Tomatoes. I did. Of the like what, three RPGs that came out in twenty seventeen that you played? I played five. Ooh, five. And Nier was great. I'm glad. I'm glad you liked it. It's platinum, so that's not a shocker yeah. in this case. And it wasn't even for the panty shots. <laughs> that's true. That is true. 
I did. I, I didn't even do the explosion thing that knocks the dress off people. Didn't even try. That makes you classy. I'm classy like that. You so classy. Man, what's what's a game that I wish I had played sooner? I have made a, I guess for this year, Horizon Zero Dawn. I didn't play that until later in the year, and it was really good. And to answer the other question, what's a game that's been sitting around that I wish I could get to? Uh, Witcher 3, just so that I can finally say if I actually like it or not. It's pretty cool, man. So I'm finally getting to one of mine, which was Scott bought me Tales of Berseria for Valentine's Day last year. I only started playing it, like, at the beginning of this year. I'm really liking it. It, um, I'm enjoying how familiar it feels. And I think part of the reason I gravitated toward playing it at the beginning of the year was just I wanted something comfortable that I love. And Berseria is leaps and bounds better than Zestfully Clean there. So that's great. Or Zillia 2. Yeah, Zillia 2 was a train wreck. We do not speak of Zillia 2. Berseria is the only is the second main Tales game I've ever finished, and it is my favorite Tales game I've ever finished. So there's a lot right there. I know that's saying it's number one of two, but it was pretty good. I like Velvet. Number one of two is pretty okay. I love Velvet. I think she's a great protagonist. Oh, and I played six RPGs this year, but Mac wouldn't let me vote on the new Super Robot Wars. (laughs) Sorry, Scott. It's got it's got the Yamato mans in it. It was. Why can you buy that for me, please? I do want to play Divinity Original Sin too. That sounds pretty up my alley, but uh, I don't know. Okay, enough questioning. Well, Trent, Um, if it's a game that I wish I had played sooner, um, then I'm probably going to have to point to Xenogears. I'm only really fully getting into it right now, and I feel like I've I've played like half of it before, but I've never really soaked in the experience and talked to every single NPC, and you know it's it's kind of blowing my mind. And uh, it we I mean we we even owned it for PlayStation. It was one of my brother's games, and I never really delved in when I had the opportunity. So that's been kind of a revelation. Um, and is the other thing that we're talking about a game that we would like to get to, but we haven't? Or yes, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Like a part of me, and this is gonna talk to my sadomasochistic side, but part of me wants to pick up uh, Kingdom Hearts two point eight for no. PS four. I know, I know, it's tragic. Uh, and when I look at the package. Not not one of the three experiences looks like it would be beneficial for my life. Nope. Like nope. I feel like I would just be spending a lot of money on a game that ultimately isn't really satisfying for me, but I still want it. Nope, and nope, that's nope. um it speaks to my weakness as a human being. Yeah. That's yeah. like me with Overwatch Trent, it's okay. Overwatch is my greatest weakness right yeah, now. Yeah, but that's a good game that you seem to be consistently rewarded with, even though as you, even though you keep throwing actual real money at it. I have a jacket that says "Nerf this," as opposed to pay it playing a bunch of spinoffs to Kingdom Hearts Two. Fair. 
Which one's on 2.8 again? Uh, it should be birth by sleep. Ooh. It's a uh, dream drop, drop distance. distance. It's the prologue of Kingdom Hearts 3. It's um, a, a long movie, which I think summarizes some of the events of uh, Kingdom Hearts Kai, which is the mobile game. This is how far in the pit I am, folks. Like, uh, Yeah, you're... <laughs> This I, is how I no, like, Trent. This I, is how I, far in the pit the franchise is. I I'm such a slave to understanding continuity that I'm willing to inflict physical pain and mental anguish on myself. Spoken like an X Men fan. Kelsey's gesturing, and she's like, "And me." Oh. <laughs> Hashtag Team Kelsey. No. Hashtag Team Kelsey. Love y'all. <laughs> right answer heart heart you got voted best girl of 2017 kelsey you got voted best girl oh my god God. yeah you won the nomination (laughs) you were not in fact i chose the wrong person (laughs) i wish i could describe her face right now (laughs) everybody voted for you but trent (laughs) oh my gosh we him, but still. Be cool, dude. <laughs> That's only because we tricked him into not thinking he could vote for you. Uh, all right. Uh, next... Trust me. Okay. So next cash question comes from. Ne- next question comes from Barry, who wants to know what uh, composers would you include on your ideal RPG soundtrack? You must pick two. But no more than four. But no more than four. Uh, let's hear everybody else's answer so I can see what the heck was I said. So, um, Meguro <laughs> and Goshina? I like those two. I don't know if they would work together in a mishmash, but I like them, so those are the right answers. Oh, and maybe Kuda Pirat, because they did the um, Child of Light soundtrack, and it was so good. Or, you know, Darren... Oh, oh. Darren... Is it Darren Nar? Corb. Yeah. Darren did, Corb. Yeah, who did Bastion and Pyre and... Yes. Which is so Darren good. Corb. I own all three of those soundtracks, and I love them. So, uh, my pick is going to be... I would ask Darren Corb to do an entire... Uh, an entire full arrangement, full score. And then I would ask Jimmy Hinson... Of the Wall of Sound slash uh, Big Giant Circles on OC Remix. And, you know, the three tracks everyone remembers from Mass Effect 2. To uh, then go in and do new arrangements, remixes, and possibly a chiptune version. Because he's he's really good about bouncing off other ideas other people have put down. So you'll never see it coming? Uh, no, because I did not. Was, I, I didn't specify Megaro. I, I specified I know, that I would take I know, one talented person and then have another talented person do arrangements. Let's be honest. We all know that the only composer we're allowed to discuss on this show is Megaro. So <laughs> I, I just named. I just named two. So your real answer is, you know, Megaro, right? <laughs> Trent. Um. My dream would be to have uh, Hiroki Kakuda and Yasunori Mitsuda on the same game and just have like a really whimsical, really atmospheric, uh, fully orchestrated, amazing, mind-blowing experience of sound. Hmm. 
Yeah. So, so just for reference for everyone at home, Mitsuda is responsible for like the Xeno games, Chrono Cross, Chrono Trigger, Shadow Hearts. I think if you're listening to the podcast and don't know that, switch it off. <laughs> games. No, nah, we're not. We're gonna. We're not gonna be lame like that. We're we're allowed to welcome people in and inform people of things that they should or perhaps should inter- investigate. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Like like near Auto Jeez. Tomatoes. I'm actually very bad about remembering composers' names, so I feel like I should be off this show most of the time. Well, I, I don't think you need. You to know they that. exist. There. You know they exist. You're All so right. elitist, like... Mac. <laughs> I am. This is sorry. A, this is a topic he's know, passionate you about. Anyway, here. Okay. Let Trent, let Trent finish. No, never mind. Don't worry about it. Yeah. All right. Mac, what's your oh, idea? Alright, I'm going to take one of Trent's, Yasunori Mitsuda, because can, that dude could do some of the most chill pieces ever that are just beautiful to listen to. And one of my favorite arranger slash composers, uh, Takahari, Takaharu Ishimoto, that did Crisis Core, Final Fantasy, uh, Type Zero, some of the remixes on Dissidia. I would love to hear the two of them kind of collaborate, especially now that both of them are independent. They're not under Square Enix's thumb anymore, so it would be great to see those two combine. Love it. Bring it. So, okay, so wait. Out of the four of us, not a single person said Nobuo Uematsu. (laughs) Uematsu's getting old and losing his touch, man. He's getting old. I love Umatsu. I just I love what he does already on his own, and I don't think I need a collaboration of his with anybody. Well, he's leaning on orchestrators. He's been leaning on orchestrators for like twenty years now. Like the second they gave him more than two channels of sound, he 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 immediately called in reinforcements. Yeah, but he's he's still responsible for some of the most memorable tracks in oh. RPG history. Oh, absolutely, and like, I love his I, music. Like, I, I would never want to take that away from him. Like, some of some of the songs he's been largely responsible for are still earworms for me. Like, I could listen to Man with the Machine Gun probably a billion times. Sorry. You know, I met him. I met him a few years ago. Did an interview with him a few years ago, and it was just. Even he will tell you that, that he enjoyed it more when there was a limited, you know, sound palette to work with. You know, you didn't have, you had to be more creative back then than you do now with all of these things to work with. So, I love his music and will never stop listening to it. But when I'm looking forward, to, looking forward, those would be the two I'd choose. Yeah. Any other questions? Uh, there's two more. Uh, so, Disa, shout out to Disa. Um, do you guys think we enjoy games less these days now that there's so many? Um, and I think, I, I think we just have this pool where we're more willing to be just cut off what would be... Like, in past eras when we didn't have 8,000 games a year, we might stick with, like, a good enough 7 out of 10... Just, to, just just for the sake of passing time, but in a world where we have backlogs in the thousands of hours of gameplay and, you know, 8,000 games a year joining them, 
we we can probably you know perhaps safely disregard anything that isn't immediately great. That that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. It's just like no no less tolerance for mediocrity. I don't think I could answer it any better. Yeah. Yeah, it's the right like, answer. I feel like I'm more poor. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like being poor. I'm game poor. All right. So last one. Um, has there ever been a move made by a game company that you should that you know shouldn't make you that angry, but it didn't? So this this idea that you you you've still got salt over something minor. Uh, I think the example given in the thread from Shaman is that um, the the Capcom announcement of the compilation of Street Fighter the the or the um, like a a Street Fighter compilation that came out just after a game in that compilation had gotten jazzed up for full price. Yeah. Now. What's the angle on this question? You said something that so, we should be mad about, but are yeah. Like or what? What is? We what should is, be mad about, but aren't. It is. Has there I been think the a move somewhere? Got mixed up. Yeah. It says, "Has there ever been a move made by a game company that you know should make you angry, but it didn't?" Oh. Okay. So mine it make me angry. Mine is very simple. Mine was when uh, Koei bought Gust. I remember originally being kind of cheesed about it just because I was convinced all my beautiful, you know, Gust games were going to get turned into Dynasty Warriors. Then I just accepted that it happened. But it did. It did. I know. Muso Muso. <laughs> Muso Warriors came out and Muso now you Warriors. can be Atelier girls fighting a billion things. You know what? And I'm, I'm okay with this now. <laughs> being Sophie was a lot of fun. <laughs> she crafts things on the spot. So, so what what did you give a pass to? What do you give a sure to, Mac? Well, mine is something that I started out being mad about, but ended up coming around to because I can't think of one that answers the other way, and that's for uh, Final Fantasy XI and Final Fantasy XIV to actually be considered mainline games despite being MMOs. Um, I should have been very angry about that, and I kind of was to start with on Final Fantasy XI. Even wrote my first editorial before I ever worked here as a you know reader editorialist about how that was so wrong. But I came around on it, and I'm actually glad they did. So not going to complain. Hmm, it's interesting because my um, my thing that I perhaps should have been upset with but wasn't is Final Fantasy 15 as an experience um, this is a game which today bears resemblance to how it launched but has significantly more content um, to the point where it makes the launch version look barren Um so many improvements have been made to the game itself, uh, progression within the game itself, narrative elements that kind of uh, flesh out the before, after, and middle, which were all kind of lacking from like a story perspective, and even understanding the characters a bit more. Um, it's become a better game since it launched, and I know that I should be upset because it wasn't a full, complete game like this, from the get-go but part of me is just happy that they're continuing to support it that they're still looking at elements that they're gonna throw in the mix because even though i shouldn't support this kind of business practice 
I like the fact that this is an evolving game. And uh, you know what? 2019 has a great game of the year contender in Final Fantasy XV. <laughs> You'll be proud of me, Trent. I actually bought Final Fantasy XV for $15. Did you buy the season pass? No, it was just the base game, but you know oh, what? Useless. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to give it a fair shot. If if I get to it, I may throw the season pass on there because it'll be, you know, not it'll it'll especially if I can get it on the cheap again. I think it's a great game. Like I I I thought it was a good game when it came out. It wasn't my favorite Final Fantasy by the end of it, but the more they kind of incorporate into the experience and There hasn't been a single thing that I've disliked that they've kind of thrown into the mix. The more I kind of appreciate it, it's just, it's weird to me that it is kind of like a service and not a game. Like, well, it's it's been getting better, but it's not like a single package per se. Um, Well, I mean, we've touched on the idea of living games and there's there's a bit of a thing i want to come back to because i set this i set this top this game up as a closer question so there's a few ideas i want to pull out of that before we ditch this episode but in the meantime something that i gave i'm trying to think of anything i gave a sure to because i'm i'm someone who is always ready to give unreasonable amounts of salt to anyone um Uh, yeah I got, That's an understatement. I got salt. I got bitterness. Uh, like, I probably should have been annoyed that they included Space Battleship Yamato in a Super Robot Wars game. Because, you know, that's not a robot show. But at the same time... Sensing a little salt. Well, no. Like, at like I should be mad that, like, oh, you picked a not-robot show to fill out your roster. And it's, like, the that's the plot that introduces the first half of the game. And I'm just sitting here going... No, no, that that that's Captain Avatar telling everyone what to do, and I like that. Like, like I think it just got me, you know, the last space captain that hadn't been canonized in the franchise into it. Yeah, I'm just smiling and nodding over here, like I have any clue what you're talking about. That's that's my everyday Mac. Look, sometimes, sometimes, mo- most of the time, when you play Super Robot Wars, Captain Bright tells everyone what to do. Sometimes when you're a boy who loves his robots, you try to make sense of it to non-robot lovers. And Captain Bright is very good at his job, but um, periodically they will have other people do it, and it's weird. Especially if they're captains from shows that don't have robots in them. Ladies and gentlemen, I even have my marriage. Yeah, I even have this game, and I don't really know what you're talking about, but that's okay. <laughs> you bought Super Robot Wars V? Yeah. It's on Vita, so... Of course, <laughs> of course you did. Of course you did. Oh, God. You can play it with its English. If it is a Vita RPG released in English in a physical form, I will have it. <laughs> and maybe you'll even play it on the toilet. Well, think about it, Matt. It is a tactical RPG. You love those. That's why I bought it. They're, they're shiny animations. This one has space pirates. Yeah. I think you should play it, Mac. And then you should write issues. For the site about your experience with your first robot game. Uh, th- th- there's a like whole, an hour. There's like a whole Let's Play series of Mac is clueless about what's going on, <laughs> and we just get me and Alice to break it down. Yeah. Yeah. I, I played like an hour, and I was pretty confused. <laughs> we still love you. But that's okay. You didn't even get to the, the, the Martian successor stuff, or the time travel shenanigans. <laughs> 
I expected to be confused, so I'm not upset by this. All right, so so I guess um, our closer question, because we still do these, maybe, is I, there. there's two old episodes I want to highlight. One was talking about um, what the hell is up with Square Enix as a developer. Uh, the other one was talking about what is precisely the corpus of a game when games are now constantly updated. And the question is, is Final Fantasy XV done yet? Nope. No. Yeah, okay, so so making sure that I still don't have to buy the season pass quite yet. But also, it's just weird to think nope. that Final Fantasy Versus Thirteen took ten years to come out, and it'll be... And they won't stop producing content for it until the PS4 dies? I'm still going to be adamant about the fact that this is not Final Fantasy Versus Thirteen. I'm just, I think there are portions uh, of it that are definitely are. <laughs> oh, there are portions of it, but I will die on this hill. This is the hill I will die on, that it is not the same game. Not even close. You can take selfies. <laughs> <laughs> and it's improved because of it. <laughs> but yeah, no, just this, this idea that we keep coming back to is that um, it's weird that we have to talk about games... In the state that they are released, except that they're, they they can be never quite finished. Like, I, I think it'd almost be interesting for someone to review Final Fantasy XI this year. It'd be interesting for someone to review Ultima Online this year. Huh. Huh. I don't think anyone should play huh. Ultima Online for the site, but if That's someone cruel. wanted to. But if someone was, I'd like to hear what they think of it 20 years later. So... I think Scott hey, could do this. I just played some Final Fantasy XI last year. I could do it again. Well, yeah, you, you did a whole thing. but I I'm, finished. I'm just, he finished it. But again, we come back to... It takes forever for a Square Enix game to come out. And then now we have a situation where it's out, but it's not done. Okay, I have a proposition yes. for you, Scott. Yeah. I know you want a Nintendo Switch. A Switch? So... If you give me episodes of you playing Ultima online, (laughs) I will buy you a Nintendo Switch. (laughs) I want all the colorful commentary to go with it. Uh, I don't want somebody to pick. If listeners want this. Somebody else needs to play Fantasy Star online then. (laughs) Oh god, that's still on, isn't it? If people want this, please let us know. I mean, I have to listen to his colorful commentary when he's playing Darkest Dungeon. It mostly is crying for whoever died two minutes in. I don't name anyone in Darkest Dungeon, by the way. <laughs> I know they aren't going to last that long. I don't know enough people. <laughs> oh, good point. So there you have it. We answered questions. Now Scott yeah. needs to play Ultima Online. But no, I, I do want Trent to come back around and, you know, sort of figure out this Final Fantasy 15 problem for me, because he's going to solve my problem. Go, Trent. I can't solve any problems with Final Fantasy. I'm, <laughs> I'm stuck in all the traps. I'm there. I can't get out. It's almost as bad as Kingdom Hearts. Are you trash for it? I'm trash for everything, man. I give too many dams about too many things. <laughs> Spoken like an X-Men fan. Yeah. I love you guys. I am grateful that we do this every year. Alright, so uh, thank you very much to everyone who submitted questions. Um, Thank you to everyone who subscribes. Even if you haven't done so before, there's a whole bunch of buttons on our website to do that. Leave some comments. 
Um, Droner forums, they're active and not completely full of me making fun of you. So thank you to Scott for all your hard work with producing the show. And thank you to Mac and Trent for just being adorable all the time. No. Aww. Well, thanks. Now I need to get my pants back on before they arrest me in this Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, thank you, Team Kelsey, for being best girl. Congratulations yes, on your girl. 2017 win. Yes. She's thrilled. Um, we're going <laughs> to well, come back with a bunch more episodes this year. Hopefully I can keep the recording schedule stable. And we're going to come back next time and we're going to talk about Dem Anime Titties. Really? Yeah, we're going to do it. It's like he did this topic just for me. (laughs) (laughs) It's his fault for marrying a bisexual woman, okay? (laughs) All right. Uh, So until next time, this has been the show, and thank you for listening. Bye. All right, I'm going to hold you hostage just for a second more before I let the credits roll, which is to say that uh, this show has been brought to you by Gamefly.com. They are offering a free 30-day trial to check out their service. It streams a huge library of games to your smart TV or a couple of different add-on boxes. In terms of a recommendation, we just posted our Game of the Year list, so feel free to, if you missed anything, go back and try anything on that list, like Persona 5, or Horizon Zero Dawn, or something else that got a big old heap of praise from us, I'm sure it's probably worth it, and hey, you're not out much if you already have a very fancy TV. That's, again, that's uh, GameFlyOffer.com slash RPGamer to start a 30-day trial. Thank you. The Active Topical Banter Show is an RP Gamer production. Visit rpgamer.com for past episodes, comments, sections, other great podcasts, as well as piles upon piles of written content. All music is courtesy of ocremix.com, composed by Nobuo Oimatsu. Thank you for listening. Every once in a while, Scott will cut out during the most, like, interesting part of the conversation. And I'm like, dang it, I, can't, I didn't hear a thing he just said, except titty. That's the only thing I heard. It was next episode. Titties. That, that was all I heard, and I'm like, well, I guess I need to know what to prepare for. Scott, Scott needs to play the new South Park game just so he can see Classy come out of nowhere and go, oh, hell no.